Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Nice to see the sun shining. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, so those of you that know, don't know me, my name is Andy. Uh, I work over at Kidder Creek Camp, and uh, Drew asked if I would give just a quick update about things that are happening over at Kidder Creek Camp just before, uh, before we go into his word this morning. So uh, first off, anytime I stand up here, I always want to start off by saying thank you to this congregation. Uh, you guys have been such a huge and significant part uh, of the ministry over at Kidder Creek Camp uh, through your volunteering, through your support through the church individually uh, for volunteering, and uh, it really means a lot. And uh, as I always say, you all are a part uh, of the work that God is doing over at Kidder Creek Camp through your prayers, through your service, uh, and through your support here through the church. So we just want to say thank you. Um, as most of you probably know, we've been pursuing a master site plan uh, for 14 years now, so that's probably why you've heard about it. Uh, and so I uh, just wanted to give a quick update on kind of where we're at with that. Uh, it has been two steps forward, two, se- two steps back for a long time now. Uh, and we have been at the Planning Commission, and then we went to the Board of Supervisors for approval of our master site plan. The Board of Supervisors kicked it back to the Planning Commission. Uh, just uh, So we're going to be at the Planning Commission this week on Wednesday. Uh, and so we would appreciate your prayers. There's a few questions that needed to be addressed uh, that are concerns uh, from the board, uh, things that have come up through public comment. Um, and also kind of one of the main things is a letter that came in from a lawyer. Uh, and so now we've been told that, hey, you probably need to be prepared uh, with a lawyer of your own to kind of get through these last, uh, these last few steps here. So we're in the process of looking for a lawyer who could help us uh, get over the finish line. Uh, we're excited about the master site plan. And let me tell you why. Uh, obviously, it's, it's going to be a huge improvement to the facility over the camp over there. Um, you know, camp ministry is really about attraction, attracting people to come, right? Not like we are missionaries, but, you know, a missionary is a sent one. Uh, we are sent to Kidder Creek. Oftentimes, missionaries are going into communities. Obviously, we're a part of this community. But so often, the ministry or the ministry at camp is people that are coming to camp. And so camp needs to be attractive, Uh, And so we really need to upgrade some of our facilities, uh, bathrooms, uh, recreation, lots of new recreation. Uh, You know, kids will come to camp uh, to learn how to ride horses or bikes or to swim in the pond, things like that. And while while they are there, we get the opportunity to share Christ with them through our staff, uh, through God's word, uh, just through the adventures, through the fun, fun things that kids are getting to do out there at camp. And so uh, it really is all about improving so that we can continue to attract kids. It's also about expanding. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about, uh, man, the world is in kind of a messy place, and it has been uh, for throughout history, right? Uh, and camp is a really cool place. God really uses camp ministry uh, to impact kids, to impact families uh, with the gospel as they meet Jesus. Their lives are transformed uh, often, uh, and it's really, uh, really cool to see and hear uh, some of the stories. Uh, some, of the, some of the stories from this past summer, uh, some of the things that stood out to me, uh, obviously we had a lot of kids that accepted Christ for the first time. I think we had around 160 kids that said for the first time that they wanted to accept, accept Jesus as their Savior. Uh, the impact uh, on our staff. Our staff, you know, we're a staff-led model, uh, so we run, you know, multiple programs each week, and our counselors are the primary deliver, delivery of the gospel uh, to the kids through Bible study, through their very lives, through just kind of sharing meals and life together. Uh, our counselors and our staff are having incredible uh, impact on the kids, but the impact that camp has on the staff is really just awesome as well. And, you know, uh, this last newsletter that I wrote, um, some of you may have, may have seen that. Uh, we highlighted some of the staff 
uh, who have been at camp and had their lives transformed, and what are they, what are they doing now? Uh, a couple of examples of that, uh, you know, Ben Morris, who was just in Ukraine, he would, he would talk about the impact that camp had on his life. Uh, Jacob Bass, who's a youth pastor over in Mount Shasta now, he came to Kidder Creek, I think his first summer was 2015. He was planning to be a teacher, which is awesome, uh, but through his time at camp, he realized that he wanted to be a, a youth pastor. And so he's a youth pastor over in Mount Shasta now. Uh, Anders and Brooke uh, met at camp uh, two summers ago, then ended up getting married, and they're missionaries over in uh, um, Africa, yes. Um, what's, the, what's the country? Zambia, yes, sorry. Not Zambia, like I said at their wedding. Um, it's Zambia, uh, and they're, they're starting a camp over there uh, called J-Zone, where they're now taking camp, the things that they, you know, that they were impacted on through their camp um, time. Now they're taking that uh, over to Africa and starting a ministry over there. So it has an incredible impact on staff. Uh, some of my favorite times are when we get to uh, see kids get baptized in the pond uh, over there at camp also, uh, and that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that also stood out to me from camp this summer was how many atheists come to Kidder Creek Camp. I mean, almost every week in every cabin, I would say there was one or two kids that would say, hey, we don't, maybe not atheists, but they're not walking uh, with God. They're not part of a Christian family, but they're coming to camp to ride horses, to ride bikes, to go rafting, uh, to do these things that are fun. Uh, and then we have an opportunity to, to talk to them. And they're leaving, these kids that some of them are coming in and say, I'm an atheist. They're leaving camp asking questions or they're, they're kind of taking that one step closer to Jesus that we pray that they will take. No matter where kids come from, uh, where they're coming to camp from, our prayer is that they're going to take one step closer to Jesus. So for, so for some of those kids, it's that step to say, hey, maybe there is a God. For some, it's going to be, you know, I want to, I want to become a Christian. For others, it's going to say, hey, I want to go to Africa and be a missionary and start a camp uh, over there. And so thank you uh, for being a part of the ministry at Kidder Creek Camp. We really appreciate you. Uh, some things that you could be praying for right now as we're preparing for uh, this next summer. Uh, you could pray for full camps. Uh, you know, as uh, my friend and boss at the camp in Wisconsin where I used to, used to work, he would say, empty beds is empty ministry. Uh, so we need kids to come. And so would you join us in praying that kids would be able to come? Uh, obviously, we have a lot of financial support to be able to help kids to come. Uh, so if you know of some kids that want to come to camp, but you're like, they can't afford it maybe, let us know. We've got the finances uh, through generosity of many donors uh, to help get kids to camp. So please uh, join us in praying that camps would be full. Uh, the other thing is that we would uh, have a full staff. Uh, we hired, last summer, we hired around 65 summer staff. Uh, and then we hired another 20 to 30 kind of local hourly, you know, people that joined. And then obviously a lot of volunteers that come out and help at the camp as well. So pray that we would have a full staff. Uh, staffing is going really great. We've got a lot of great returners coming back uh, that we're really excited about. Uh, but pray specifically for young men uh, who love Jesus, who want to work with kids, and who want to, you know, work in the outdoors. Uh, that's probably our biggest need. Uh, kind of from year to year is that we would have uh, these young men. And we're so thankful that the Lord always provides exactly what we need, uh, not always in our timing. We're like, Lord, if you would do that in our timing, I'd sleep better at night. But, um, you know, just pray that we would have a full staff uh, and all of that uh, so that we would be able to see lives transformed. That's what camp is all about. It's all about going uh, into the lives of these young people and showing them Jesus um, and then seeing them accept and respond to that in different ways uh, and choose to follow after him. So that's a little bit <clears throat> about what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about being salt and light. 
uh, and we're going to jump into that now. So um, I don't think very many days go by uh, in my normal day where I'm like, man, the world is messed up, right? You read the news, you read about shootings, you read about robberies, you read about just terrible things that are happening all the time. Uh, on a global scale, we look at what's happening in Ukraine. We've got these wars. We see oftentimes where these genocides are happening and where people are being killed and murdered. Uh, there's a sense of lawlessness. There's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of brokenness in the world. And I think that you all would agree with me that that's true, right? There's not very many days where you, you kind of throw your hands up and you're like, well, what do we do? Right? I mean, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and we, you know, are kinda, we have three options. We can you know, run away, we can complain about it, or we can do something about it. And that's what we're really going to talk about today, is what can we do about it? Uh, and that's really what God, what, through Jesus, has called us to do, to be the salt and light. Um, not only is this pain and brokenness kind of out there, but it's also you know, right in here. Right? I've got my own pain and my own brokenness uh, that I bring uh, to my family, to this community. Uh, and I think that if you guys would pause and stop and think, uh, a lot of that brokenness that we see in the world around us, or maybe specifically in our own lives, is, comes from this mindset of what's best for me. It's a very me-focused approach to life. And so, you know, if Emily and I get in an argument, it's because I'm looking out for what's best for me. If I kind of get mad at my kids because I can't find my tools when I go to look for them, you know, that's like an irritation to me because I'm looking out for what's best for me, right? So oftentimes the, the pains and the hurts that we see in our lives are because of this what's best for me mindset. Jesus in this passage is going to challenge us to think not about what's best for me. The me first mindset or what's best for me is natural. We're born with it, right? I mean, I've got seven kids. Uh, they immediately come out of the womb and they're like, hey, me, 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 it's all about me, give me what I want, uh, give it to me now. Um, as we get older, uh, that mindset is still there, we just learn to hide it a little bit better, right? We still kind of have this thing that we're constantly fighting against of looking out for number one, right? And that's, that's uh, um, my dad was a missionary in Spain, and he would say, you know, we would talk about sin and what is sin. Sin is looking out for number one, or it's, you know, kind of just doing what's best for me whenever, you know, just kind of having that mindset. Oftentimes, the actions that are sinful actions are preceded by this mindset of what's best for me. I'm looking out for number one. And as, we, as, as I said, as we get older, we learn to hide it a little bit, but that's that same pride, that same fear that drives uh, some, of the, some of our kids, when they're little, uh, they're afraid they're not going to get food when they want it, so they cry and they you know, demand, give it to me now. As we get a little bit older, it's that same pride and that same fear that kind of drives uh, some of the sinful behaviors, mindsets, attitudes that we'll have in life. And so that, that what's best for me mindset needs a death blow. That death blow is Jesus. Uh, and last week, Nick uh, preached uh, to us um, and he talked about repentance and receiving. And we receive by faith. Repentance is about acknowledging that me first mindset that I have, that attitude in my life. And even my good deeds sometimes are, are tainted 
or Jesus said that, right? Or the Bible tells us that even our good deeds oftentimes are tainted by this me first mindset. What's best for me? So I'm doing this good thing, right? I'm the director at Kidder Creek, but sometimes this mindset can creep up of like, oh, well, what about you, Andy? What do think people think about you? Instead of what's best for others, what's best you know, to help kids and families grow closer to Jesus, I can kind of have this mindset that creeps up. Well, Andy, you're the director, and you need to do this or that, and you need to look like this or that, and you need to you know, kind of perform, right? And so repentance, then, is acknowledging that mindset, those behaviors, those actions, um, are evil. They're not what Jesus wants uh, for our life. Faith or receiving, as, as Nick talked about last week, is about acknowledging what Jesus has done for me. So we, when we receive, we receive the gospel, right? The gospel is that, you know, Jesus came to earth, he died for my sins, uh, he rose again, and he's coming back someday, right? That's the gospel. When I accept that, when I believe that, the Bible says that, you know, that old self has received the death blow, that's the death blow. Jesus died once for all, for all of our sins. And when we believe and call on him, that's the death blow to the old self. Second um, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So through faith, I accept the gospel. Through faith, when that old mindset kind of raises its ugly head of me first, or what's best for me, I need, to, I need to push it away. I need to knock it down. And I need to remember and receive the truth that God has said about me, that I am loved, that I am forgiven, uh, that I have purpose, all of those things. So I need to move from this what's best for me mindset to a mindset of what's best for thee. That's King James for you, right? So, um, so what's best for thee? I need to move from this mindset of what's best for me, looking out for number one, to a mindset of, okay, what's best for thee? I have to change my mind. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. In our relations, verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I need to change my mind. In, I was looking up this other verse this morning that talked about putting on the old, or put off the old self and put on the new self. So not only by faith am I receiving the gospel for salvation, but by faith I'm also receiving the true things that God says about me. And those things are going to change my mind, right? I'm going to have that same mindset, or I'm going to pursue that same mindset that Jesus had. And I'm going to do that actively. You know, Jesus, who being God, right, the creator of the world, he didn't consider equality with God something to, to be used to his own advantage. He made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. He took this, this infinite being, took on finiteness for us. He humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross, an excruciating and terrible way to die. He did that for us. 
right? And so when I look at Jesus and what Jesus has done for me, that helps to change my mindset. It changes. When I look at Jesus, Jesus did not think about what's best for me. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus came here because he loved us and he wanted to provide a better way for us. He wants to give us an abundant life. He wants to give us forgiveness of sins. He wants to give us so many good things. And so when I can change my mindset, when I can remember what Jesus has done, when I can remember him, that's going to help change my mindset from what's best for me to what's best for thee. When that, you know, that old self doesn't just go away though, does it? Right? I mean, I, I deal with it pretty regularly, that old self that just kind of raises its ugly head. And what do I do when that happens? I repent and I receive. I remember the gospel. I remember what Jesus has done for me. And that helps to change me from the inside out. So let's look at Matthew 5, chapter 13. Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. And let's read that uh, together. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father." Uh, throughout Scripture, we see so many times where, where we're instructed to, to do this. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Go baptize people. Go you know, live this way. Don't live this way. Have this mindset. Don't have that mindset. Don't live in fear. Live in, you know, in love. Don't live in selfishness. Live in, uh, in a gracious spirit. Don't live um, selfishly. Be humble. Right? So this is another place, and a pretty famous place, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount here uh, is, is talking to his disciples, um, <clears throat> and he has some instruction uh, for us as his disciples. Verse 13 and verse 14, they both start out as, you are. So he's talking to his disciples. If we are in Christ, we are his disciples. We are followers of Jesus. So this is a message uh, that's for you, and it's for uh, myself. Um, and so we should take this personally. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, obviously, in the light of the world, obviously Jesus is using a metaphor here that the people uh, that he was talking to at that time uh, would understand. So what is the salt of the earth? What does that mean? Uh, and how can we, we kind of apply that uh, in our lives today? So the salt uh, back in that time was used for many, uh, many different things. I kind of did some research on this. Uh, there was kind of five ways that in that time period, this is how, you know, people that he was talking to would have seen, okay, yeah, we use salt like that. Okay, now I can kind of transfer that over here. So if I'm salt, this is how we use salt, and this is how we can apply it to our lives over here if we are the salt of the earth. Um, but the two most common uh, ways that salt was used at that time uh, was, for, was for, number one, was for flavoring, and number two was for preserving. So number one was for flavoring. Um, <clears throat> I have a confession to make to you all. Um, I love McDonald's. Um, and I know in California, in a, you know, a very healthy state, um, that's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but I love their French fries. Um, but every once in a while, I get their McDonald's French fries, and they don't have any salt on them, and they just taste like packing peanuts. And you're just so disappointed. 
Um, so in the same way that the salt brings out the deliciousness of those McDonald's french fries, so are we to bring out the deliciousness of life. Uh, we are supposed to make our culture, our world, a better place. We're supposed to flavor it with goodness, spread throughout the world, and make it better. Um, you see something that's just, you know, I, 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 have you guys seen that YouTube video where the guy sprinkles the salt off of his elbow? And that's kind of what I picture here. Have you guys, anyone, has anyone seen that? If you're, okay, well, never mind then. Uh, no one's seen that. But there's this famous chef, right, and he has the salt and he grabs the salt and he like sprinkles it and it falls off of his elbow onto this platter and he's sprinkling the salt onto this whatever he was cooking at that time. So that's kind of what I picture here is that as Christians, we're kind of taking a little bit of that salt, we're taking Jesus, we're kind of sprinkling it and it's kind of falling down onto this and it's making it savory and it's making it, it's making it better. Uh, the other thing that uh, salt was used for uh, was for preserving. Uh, you know, they didn't have refrigeration back then, and so they would use the salt to stop the rot. Uh, they would rub the salt into the meat, and that would help to preserve it so that it would last longer. Uh, it would keep it from decay or from being corrupted or ruined. Uh, so in the same way, using this meta metaphor, not only are we supposed to be the flavor uh, to make the world a better place, but we're also be able, supposed to be a part of stopping the rot. Right? We just talked about there's a lot of decay and there's a lot of darkness in the world. Uh, and as Christians, as the salt of the earth, uh, we are to be about stopping that. You are the light of the world. The light, uh, oftentimes when, uh, when, when the word light is used in scriptures, it's talking about truth. Uh, it exposes things for what they are. Right? If you've got a dark room or the illustration that, that's used here is a city on a hill. I was just driving into Wairika the other night, and as you're approaching the city, you can see all the lights uh, of the city. Uh, and it illuminates the darkness, uh, and it's attractive. Um, and it's also, you know, I also have that picture in my mind of the cop who's chasing the, the bad guy with the, you know, the robber with his flashlight. And he's using his flashlight to illuminate this darkness. And the, you know, the bad guy, when the light gets shined on him, he kind of tries to hide his face and he runs away because right? he doesn't want to be in the light because he knows that he's doing something wrong. And if he gets caught or if they, kinda, they can identify who that is, well, then he could go to jail or, or you know, get in trouble. Um, so there's also this picture of um, not only you know, a light is attractive, that it's kind of sitting on the hill and it's something that can be seen, but it's also this picture of illuminating the darkness. We're shining into the darkness. Those, the darkness is oftentimes something that's you know, the dark, uh, the dark lords, dark magic, dark darkness, you know, a lot of our sinful deeds are done in the darkness. And so as the light, we are supposed to illuminate the darkness um, and stop the rot. Or sorry, and, uh, and uh, Jesus said too, in John chapter 8, that he is the light of the world. Right? John chapter 8 says, Jesus in, the, in that passage says, I am the light of the world. Right? Jesus came to illuminate the darkness uh, once for all. Now, here in this passage, he's saying to us, you are the light of the world. So we are to be reflections of him uh, in the world. Again, you know, as we can look at Jesus and we can have um, and remember and receive the gospel, we also, when we look at Jesus, well, how did Jesus live? How did he come into the world and, illum and illuminate the darkness? He confronted, uh, he confronted evil. He healed people that were sick. Um, and ultimately, he gave his life for others. 
So when we are called to be the light of the world, we should look at Jesus and what did he do, uh, and that should encourage us. Like light in the prevailing darkness, we are to illuminate our culture and show it a better way. Uh, oftentimes, though, you know, it's kind of this, this picture in my mind, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. It's this attractive thing, right? And yes, Christianity, when it is lived out, is attractive, right? Oftentimes, people look at that. Many of you, maybe, when you uh, came to know the Lord, you looked at Jesus, you looked at Christianity, and you said, I want that. I want what those people have. I want Jesus in my life. And so oftentimes, it's attractive. Uh, and, our, and being salt and being light should be attractive. But sometimes, that salt and light is met with resistance. Uh, because it says, you are the salt and the light of the earth, the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. The earth and the world, those are words that are oftentimes, that's oftentimes in scripture, those, that signifies kind of the anti-Jesus, uh, anti-God uh, perspective. Uh, and we are to be a light in the world. And when we come to, come to our neighbors, when we come to the world and we say, hey, that's sinful behavior, you shouldn't act like that, or you shouldn't do this, or we shouldn't have those mindsets, it's going to be met with resistance as well. Um, so it's not always this attractive thing. Sometimes it's going to be met with animosity. That's why, you know, verses 11 and 12 here of Matthew chapter 5, God, bless, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So this is not a picture of, Jesus is not saying, hey, do this and it's going to be all peachy, rosy, everything is going to be hunky-dory, peaches and pie, uh, as, as my, father and, uh, my, my brother-in-law's father said at Christmas. He was very excited, and uh, I don't know where, where his uh, peaches and pie came from, but um, it's not always going to be like that. Sometimes it's going to be hard to be the salt and light, and sometimes we're going to be re- met with resistance, uh, as Jesus was. Jesus was met with resistance, and Jesus was uh, you know, crucified for calling out the darkness, for being the salt uh, in the world. So regardless of that, Jesus is calling us to do it. Whether it's going to be hard or whether it's going to be easy, sometimes it's going to be yay, 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 and people are coming to know the Lord, and sometimes it's going to be, wow, we might go to jail if we keep doing what we're doing, if we pursue what Jesus is calling us to do. There's people all around the world that right now are being persecuted for being the salt uh, and, and the light. So it doesn't matter whether it's going to be good or bad. Jesus is calling us to do it. He wants us to be the salt. That's the flavoring to make it a better world, um, to breathe that, to preserve, uh, to stop the rot, and to be a reflection of him in the world, to illuminate the darkness. The verses go on and say, don't lose your saltiness or or hide your light. Um, when, I, when you think about rubbing the salt into the meat, they kind of take this big chunk of meat and they're rubbing the salt into the meat. You shine the light into the darkness. These are not things, you know, that are passive. There's an active kind of, I'm jumping in here, I'm kind of going into this situation, I'm getting my hands dirty uh, to be the salt and light. So don't lose your saltiness or hide your light. Again, <clears throat> Being the salt and light is trying to change that mindset from it's all about me to it's all about thee. The world, the earth, 
you know, go, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. It is, yes, kind of this anti-God um, picture, but it's also, to me, it's, it's, it's others, right? Um, it's other cultures, other races. It's people who aren't like me. This is not just a, a, you know, an invitation to go to your friends and be the salt and light. This is an invitation to go into the world, uh, to have that mindset of that, hey, this might not be comfortable, uh, but because of what Christ has done for me, I was his enemy, he loved me, I now want to love my enemies, and I want to have that mindset uh, that thinks not just of those who are, you know, that I'm going to get along with, but also those who maybe we have very differing opinions about how we should live life and about how we live life. That they may see your good deeds. Again, it's an active statement. We should be different. We should be known for our good deeds. As a community, as believers that make up the community, we should be known for being salt and light. We should be different. We should have those good deeds that people could point to and say, wow, like, why is he doing that? He must not just care about himself. He must care about me. Or he must care about others, and that's why he's going and he's um, doing this or that. We should be known for our good deeds. Uh, obviously, we all know that the church isn't always known for its good deeds. But the thing that's awesome about Christianity, the thing that's awesome about the church, that is if we continue to follow after Jesus, that we will change, right? And that's been the story throughout church history. Yes, we individually, we lose our way. What do we do? We repent and we receive and we, we go try again. As a church, we've done it wrong sometimes. What do we do as a church, as a community? We repent and we receive and we try again. This verse, these verses end in verse 16 with the statement that we should, and that we do these things to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Again, it's not about me, it's about thee, right? We don't do these things. We are not the salt and we are not the light so that others might look at us and say, wow, look at what Andy did. Or, you know, man, he's such a great guy. It's not about that. It's about glorifying our Father in heaven. Um, and so as we, as we look at ways in which we can try to do this, as we can be the salt and earth, or the salt and the light, we change our mindset. It's not about me. It's about thee, and it's about thee. Um, so how can we do this? How do we move from this mindset of what's best for me uh, to what's best for thee? Um, there's a lot of heroes of the faith, right, that we could point to. People who you would say, man, I want to be like that person someday, or that person really did it right. Uh, some that obviously we're going to know some of these people. Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham uh, preached the gospel to over 215 million people in 185 countries. And if you count his literature and stuff like that, they, said, they estimate that he had an impact of two, to reach 2.2 billion people with the gospel, right? That is an example of a person uh, who said, hey, it's not about me, it's about thee. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna preach the gospel. And he's known for being a preacher who brought so many people uh, to the Lord. Another person maybe less known uh, is Christian, and I'm, I might not get his name right, Christian Fuhrer. Uh, he's a, he was a German pastor. Uh, he was a pastor in East Germany, um, and he started peace prayers. 
And he started with 70 people at his little congregation. Uh, and they would, I think it was that they would meet on Tuesday nights and they would pray. And that, uh, that group of people praying eventually grew to 320,000 people gathering. And that pastor who said, I'm going to be the salt and the light, I'm going to make a difference in my culture, uh, was, a key, <clears throat> excuse me, was a key part of the, uh, the Berlin Wall coming down peacefully. Right? The Berlin Wall, the communist regime, came down in East Germany, not through a bloody war, but through a peaceful protest that started uh, with this pastor saying, hey, I'm going to gather and meet on Tuesday nights and we're going to pray, and then let's see what God does. Uh, William Wilberforce is another example. Uh, William Wilberforce was a, you know, he was a British um, person that was born into a wealthy family, uh, but instead of using his privilege for himself, he dedicated his life uh, to one cause. William Wilberforce was a Christian, and he saw that slavery was wrong, and so he dedicated his life, his privilege, his wealth, the things that he had been born with. Um, he said, hey, this is wrong. This is not what Jesus has. Uh, that is not um, the best thing. And Jesus wants us to have the best thing, and these are our brothers and our sisters. And so he gave his life uh, to fighting to end slavery. Uh, he dealt with sickness as well, and I don't know if, if this is commonly known. I didn't know this, but I guess he died just days after uh, Parliament in England um, you know, passed a law ending slavery uh, in the UK. Uh, another person was Johnny Erickson Tata. Anybody know who that is? Uh, Johnny and friends. Um, we used, I was born in Spain. My parents were missionaries there, and we'd go out to the plaza uh, you know, in, in Spain there, and my dad had one of those real film things, and we'd show videos, and we'd show some about the end times, and Distant Thunder. Anybody seen those? Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you in the back. Um, um, but another one that my dad would show was one about Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson uh, was in a diving accident when she was 17 years old, and she was paralyzed. Uh, and instead of living her life um, with this mindset of, woe is me, how could this happen to me? She lived her mindset with, you know, how can I use what my situation to encourage others. Uh, Johnny and Friends is a ministry that she started, and uh, it's a ministry that fights for the dignity of life and encourages, encourages Christians around the world to do the same thing. So these are some of our heroes that we might know throughout church history. Um, but I can look around this room, too, and see people who are salt and light, people who've given their lives uh, to Jesus to make a difference. Um, Pastor Drew, faithfully leading our church. Um, his commitment to be salt and light in the world um, is awesome. Um, I can look around and I see so many of you who help out with Awana or youth group or at Rockside or who volunteer at Kidder Creek. Um, you all have responded to the call that Jesus has given to us uh, to say, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are pursuing that. And I wanted you not only to be encouraged to see ways in my life that I could maybe do that better, but I wanted you to be encouraged this morning to know that, you know, you're doing it. Um, Pastor Drew talks about how Scott Valley is a healing place. Um, it is. You know, the ministry through this church uh, the conversations that we can have, um, you know, over a meal together, the ministry that's happening at the camps, 
uh, the ministry that's happening at Rockside, the ministry through the churches. This is a healing place. And it's not just because of the place. The place is awesome. But the ministry happens when you and I respond to the call that Jesus has laid on our lives to say, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So I want you to be encouraged um, that I see you, others see you doing that. Uh, We're not hiding our light under a bowl. We're shining it out for others to see. We're not, our, we're, our salt is not losing its saltiness. Um, there's an attraction to this community. There's an attraction to the Christian communities that are here uh, in this valley. And it really is uh, a healing place. And it's not just because of the place. It's because of the people who are following Jesus, who are responding to the call to say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the salt and I'm going to be the light. Uh, so before I pray... <clears throat> I want to pause and I want to think about myself uh, and I want you to think uh, for yourselves as well. Where are places in my life that I need to change that mindset of what's best for me to what's best for thee and what's best for thee? Um, And so I just want to kind of have a moment of silence to think about that Um, because I think sometimes the, the Lord... He speaks to us through his word uh, and through his people. And I just want you to have a moment to pause and think, all right, Lord, are you telling me, is there an area in my life that I need to repent where I haven't been doing that? Is there an area in my life where I need to receive? And is there an area in my life where you're calling me, maybe that I'm not doing yet, but you're calling me to be salt and light right here in your family, in your school, in this community. So let's just have a moment of silence as we kind of think about that.